Welcome to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host Dennis Simpson as we discuss the history, facts, people, places, events, lots more surrounding Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com. Website is hsvinsideout.com. My name is Randy Cantrell. He is Dennis Simpson. Special guest today, Mr. Jeffrey Atkins. Take it, Dennis. The reoccurring um, possible uh, possible uh, suspect. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, you know, we uh, we had Mr. Jeffrey Graces on the page of the front page of the uh, Hot Springs Village Voice, and I thought, hey, I know that guy. We should get him on the show again, right, Jeff? Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that. I I forgot uh, when I went and spoke to the board a couple of weeks ago that it would actually or possibly be in the paper. Uh, it was a little bit of a surprise to me. Who was the I guy you noted later that the guy that wrote the article? I thought he did a really good job. Who, who very, very very even and foil balanced? Yeah, who was that? Yeah, uh, Lewis Delavan. Yeah, uh, I uh, first met Lewis in two thousand seven when I ran for the board. Oh well, shout out! Well, to I was him. watching I mean, live. Me and about I don't know forty one other people. I was watching yeah. on YouTube when and and Randy, what was your impression? Seriously, yeah, I'll let Jeffrey break the ice on on this. You know, mm-hmm. I <clears throat> probably have no have no. Uh, yeah, I'll we'll we'll table that. Well, f- I'll say this for a guy that that does some work in city government. There's I've got so many questions, but we don't have time to go into all of them, but. Yeah, that might be a that might be a future a future show. I just I, I I hear all the buzz and all the hubbub of a lack of transparency and so many executive sessions and this and that and the other and it's just completely foreign to it's it's completely foreign to the city government folks that that I serve. It's just not how city councils roll. It's not how mayor at least here in the DFW area. It's just very very atypical, which, which kind of fascinates me because I know that city government is largely about risk mitigation. And we have had conversations off, off the air that hot springs village is not a municipality. And so some of the protections that municipalities enjoy and incorporated cities and towns enjoy the village does not. So you would think that they would even be a bit more careful and cautious in risk mitigation that that that's been the biggest surprise to me jeffrey mentioned it in when he addressed them no attorney in the room i've joked with you guys off the air i would i would at least have an attorney in the next room (laughs) if it were me but or even on a zoom maybe (laughs) you know but it's that listen that's me and i'm not throwing rocks at the people I, i i appreciate i appreciate the volunteerism i i I respect all that, but come on, we're, none of us are, we need, we need accountability and certainly in governance of any kind, we need accountability. And I think that largely is, I think the topic that's on Jeffrey's mind and it's why he went down there and talked to them. 
and, and I want to, I want to get the disclaimer out of the way, just so we make sure uh, we do not have an extra grind. We are not trying to be a pro or positive or nasty or whatever. We're trying to give unbiased balance information. We are not a legal opinion. We do not have a legal opinion and we're not going to try and, you know, woo you over. We're not looking for disciples today. We are not looking for followers in that way. Uh, that said, there's a lot of really good questions that, I mean, we just, mm, you know, we, like I said, we, we'd mentioned this before and just kind of a pre-show discussion. We just couldn't come up with the answers. It, it, it baffled us and it still does. So we well, let me fall on the it. sword a little bit and wear a bit of the black hat here on behalf of the group in that my curiosity and my questions and, and provoking, I didn't, uh, Jeffrey and I have spent hours talking about minutia largely fueled by me just probing and asking question after question after question. And so some of this is an outgrowth of those questions that I have asked. I'm not, I'm not taking credit here, but I'm happy to take some blame. Well, and no, it's, it's just, it, here's the deal. I imagine the average person sitting in the village watching this now, and thank you, listeners and viewers. Thank you for attending. And uh, uh, we had a guy this last week that said, man, I'll watch all these. It's just, it's, it's just very interesting. Uh, the bottom line is this is not drive-by information. If you're looking for drive-by information, you probably quit listening and watching about two minutes ago. But that said, if you want to dig a little deeper and find some real answers that aren't always easy to find, this is the place, and we want to try and go there with you. The bottom line is, is that the average guy sitting in his home is going, well, I don't understand this part, and I don't understand this part. I think one of the things we want to do, Randy, and I know Jeff does too, is bring all this together and let's ask a reasonable question. Okay. And we've already pre-discussed a little of this. Number one is the buy-in fee illegal, illegal. And by that we mean, is it allowable? Is it, is it acceptable under the, the uh, declarations that said, we got a lot to talk about before we get there back up just a minute, Jeff, you have been on the board. You have a history of being on the board. What's it like being on one side of the board and then the other side? I mean, you've <laughs> sat on, you've sat on the side where people are bitching and you sat on the side where they don't, where they listen. I don't know. You know, I, I went down there on uh, for the board meeting. Um, I only got there right at the end because I was working all morning and, and had to be on a conference call. And I was trying to watch the recording uh, or the, the live video from the meeting. And I heard some misstatements and I saw a lot of issues. And I, I like I said yesterday, I just had some can't help it. And so I went down there. I was very uncomfortable, to be honest, speaking to the board. Because the last thing you want as a board member, at least in my experience, is a bunch of unhappy customers or a bunch of unhappy property owners, because it kind of makes you feel like you messed up in some way. Well, and, if, if you're if you're respect if you're respectful, that's one thing. We've seen plenty of people who who cussed the board and they weren't respectful. And I thought you I thought you came across very well. Well, thank you. Um, I I tried to uh, maintain an even calm. Uh, it's not something that uh, I used to be very good at. I've gotten a little bit better. <laughs> I think being on the board for seven years, you know, you, you've got to where sometimes what the individual was saying, you, you, you didn't hear it right away. It didn't sink in right away. You couldn't really get their point of view right away because you didn't really understand where they were coming from. But after a while, um, you got to understand where they were coming from, and then it made their point a little clearer, or um, 
you know, you realize that they were just, they were looking out for their interest and other people's interest. Uh, and they just didn't see things as going correctly. Um, you know, we had some very valuable uh, board comments when I was a board member. And when I got off the board, you know, I tended to, to not pay attention because I had done my seven years, I'd done my time and it was somebody else's turn. And the last thing I wanted to do was interfere with them. Uh, but I do remember going back to the board one time when they were um, couldn't decide what they wanted to do with a road paving contract. And they wanted to take the higher bid, uh, which wasn't substantially higher, but it was a few thousand dollars higher. Uh, they wanted to take the higher bid, or you could tell they wanted to, because the, the lower bid didn't do a good job the previous year. And I'm like, just take the higher bid. You're not obligated to take the lowest bid. You're, take, you're obligated to take the bid that's best for the village. And if that's $1,000 more, be, because it saves you millions of dollars in the future, that's what you're obligated to do. And, you know, the board members at that time, that's what they did. They said, you know, why didn't we think of that? Because you're, you're so focused on the task at hand that you sometimes don't see the bigger picture. And uh, it, it's, it's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an avid bowler. And we always say that if you're throwing the ball and standing at the foul line and watching the ball go down the lane, it's a lot easier to tell what you did wrong from the back. Somebody just watching you from the back, it's a lot easier to see what went wrong because your, your focus is on one thing. And I think the same is true for golf. It's easier for your buddies to, to tell what's wrong with your swing than it is for you. That's why you get professional help. It's just easier, you know, from, from the side seats, from the cheap seats. It, it's just easier to see what's going wrong than if you're in the middle of it. And can you feel the microscope? Do you feel that you're under the microscope that you can't, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't? Well, you know, from, I think it's different for everybody that's on the board. When I was on the board, a lot of times you were so focused on the discussion <laughs> at hand, you didn't even realize there was an audience or a camera or anything else. <laughs> I mean, really, for the most part, now occasionally there'd be a groan or a laugh or, or whatever, but um, for the most part, you were so focused on, the six other board members and uh, the staff that was there at the table with you that you didn't have time to think about what was going on in the back of the room, really. And sometimes there was quite a number of people there because in general, they're very respectful and very quiet mm -hmm. because you need to carry out the business of the board. Well, let, let's go into that just for a minute. And Randy touched on that a minute ago, and maybe Randy needs to comment on this too, but what are the legal obligations? Let me ask this. Randy, in a regular municipality, in a city, and I'm using air quotes here for those of you that aren't watching, what is the legal obligation of the board members in a city? Well, you know, city city council members, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that I'm qualified to answer it. I know that first and foremost, they don't want to, nor will they intentionally, do something that they can't legally do, you know, so professional staff in, in a municipality, a city attorney, namely, and in many cases, outside counsel, if it's something that is remotely questionable, you know, contracts, none of that happens. None of that happens without legal counsel. You know, because again, the, the objective is we've got to mitigate the risk. We've got to miti mitigate any risk, any possible liability to our community. 
anything that could come back and, you know, pardon the phrase, bite us in the butt, we have got to properly vet that. Don't lose the baby. Don't lose the baby. You know, and, and listen, we all understand that things can move glacially uh, when it comes to, to government, whether it's a municipality or, or a larger entity, but largely the reason for that is all of the steps and all of the stuff that all the hoops that have to be jumped through to mitigate the risk. I'm fascinated and I'm the guy that watches these live streams or the recordings of every meeting and I'm not judging, but I am making a discernment that I'm just surprised that they aren't as careful. I'm really, really, really surprised that they just aren't as careful as I have learned as Jeff has, has taught me about declarations and, and the way a POA operates, because listen, I had to, I was, I had to come out of the starting blocks from a standstill. I, I didn't, I didn't, there's everything about it that I didn't understand. I understand HOAs, but you know, HOAs have got power in a subdivision, but it's not a, you know, I'm used to living in a city and they've got taxable, they, they've, they've got taxing authority and they've got county and federal and state revenues that they can access. And in addition, they've got all these protections. They've got all these layers of protection that a POA doesn't have. It's just, I'm just trying to understand it. I'm freely admitting today in front of everybody. I don't fully understand it. I, I tip my hat to those who serve full well knowing I don't have all the answers. I just got questions. Uh, but I don't know. I know we're going to get into some of these fees and stuff. And, and I'm just, I'm just kind of surprised at some unilateral, you know, we're going to round up. And I know many in the community have said, well, you know, you can just as easily round down, <laughs> but I get it. You know, they're, they're looking for revenue. I've run businesses all my life and I know what it is to chase cash and to chase revenue and to chase customers. And I get that. I get it. But the legal obligations, you know, I, fiduciary isn't the right word, but think along those lines. Mm-hmm. You've got responsibilities. You've, you've got what would be tantamount, I think, to a common, am I right, Jeff? You've, you've kind of got fiduciary. you got responsibility yes. with those dollars and with these commitments that you make. Um, you know, it's not just about hitting a budget number, to Jeff's point. I've got a client just this week that they entered into a, a city that entered into a contract with a consulting firm. Well, the consulting firm was six figure firm, a six-figure number annually. And that was about double what the previous consultant had been right out of the gate, right out of the gate, found a $75,000 savings. Well, that more than that more than paid for the fee that more than paid for the, the annual fee, a $75,000 annual savings. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, by paying a, a consultant double what they paid the prior consultant, they're going to come out hundreds of thousands of dollars ahead. Well, you got to have professionals that can make that kind of a call. My favorite quote from Zig Ziglar is if you think it, uh, hiring a professional is expensive, you should try hiring an amateur. 
yeah. one of my favorites. But anyway, I was going to go on and, and thank you. You're exactly right. I, uh, and let me let me draw the distinction here. <clears throat> we are not a municipality, but as it stands, as a POA, we are told that we are by far and away the largest and there are no peers on the planet. So we have a sort form of governance that is not like anything else. Would that be fair, Jeffrey? Yeah, that would be fair. I mean, you know, we had that group in there a few years ago that was beating the drum about corporate governance and they had to act what was in the best interest of the corporation. And, you know, okay, well, that's true on its face, but really the board is there to represent the property owners and they're there to represent all property owners. And it just makes me cringe when one of them happens to use the word homeowner. Um, you know, as, as a lot owner, it just makes me cringe because that's not who they're there to think, or they'll say our residents. Um, no, you're not there to, to uh, support the residents or, or to represent the residents. You're there to represent all property owners. Uh, and, you know, if they don't, then they are in violation of their duty uh, and of their oath. Uh, I always looked at it. I, and I think, you know, every time anybody runs for the board, they always come out well, this is what I would do, or this is what I want to do, or any of that. But really what they're there to do is represent the property owners, period. Now, and then within that corporate guideline of having to do what's in the best interest of the corporation. But when you really get down to it, what, what might be in the best interest of the corporation is not in the best interest of the village. And it's a very fine point, but it, it's very true. Because what might be in the best interest of the village uh, or in the best interest of the corporation might end up tearing the village apart. Um, and I think the two tier is a perfect example of that. You know, at the time that it was uh, brought in, that might've been in the best interest of the corporation, but I think it's been devastating to the village overall. And I, I, I you know, I could go on for hours about why, but it's just created an atmosphere that's awful and pitted property owners against lot owners. Uh, and you know, there's, there's other examples of that, but we'll just kind of leave it there with that one. But really I, I, and I think this board is a lot more responsible to the property owners than, than past boards, especially that group three or four or five years ago, that was corporate, corporate, corporate. But at the same time, I think their focus is on homeowners and not loan lot owners. At least that's what it seems. Well, because the homeowners are here resident and making those decisions and going to the meetings, whereas two thirds to three quarters of all the members of the POA are non-resident. Yeah, it's a- probably about two thirds. Okay. Rough, roughly. roughly. <clears throat> so, uh, so the ones in good standing right. uh, are well of, of the total uh, of good standing and be a little harder to calculate. So it's hard to sit on the board and and think, okay, I'm going to make a decision for 65% of the people who aren't standing here or who don't see this meeting or who aren't concerned about it. So, and and I I don't want to get stuck in here. We're in legal obligations and I want to move over in the last board meeting. uh, And we've discussed this and I want to talk this story. um, Just a funny story about Jeff and us and a little defamatory about us. And and by the way, I wanted to mention something that you said, Jeff, Um, you know, sometimes you make a decision that is not in the best interest of the board or, you know, is in the corporation, but it is in the, in the POA, but not, or, you know, vice versa. Sometimes the, the, P, the best decision for the corporation might not be the best one for the POA. Well, 
You have personally told me about times you've made a vote that was not in your best interest, but it was in the best interest of the POA. And, and I think we have a group of people that are doing that now, but once again, you got to realize three quarters or two thirds of those people are not here and not typically voting or speaking, not speaking, they vote. They're just not here. All that to say, uh, when we come to the late, the, 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 the fees and charges, uh, we sat and sat and sat with Stephanie five months ago, six months ago. And we talked about how all the craziness of all the fees and everything were going up and down. And she said, that's what you can't, you do when you can't raise the assessment. It's logic. I mean, I got it. I understand. But the declarations, as I understand them, say that the fees have to be reasonable. That is exactly what it says. Okay. It says, so, I mean, define reasonable, right? A Big Mac 20 years ago, a Big Mac today. Okay. Whatever. Uh, That said, Jeff and I, met about 20 years ago and we knew an old guy named Jim Felker and we in ourselves, we muttered to ourselves that was old man Felker and he was crazy. I mean, crazy. He had between 70 and 80, maybe even a hundred lots at one time. And we yeah. thought that was insane. I think it was 150. I think it wasn't. Well, it got up to 150. Yeah. But what he would do is, is he would go and when somebody wanted to, if, we, if Randy wanted to lease a lot, he would make a title and say, okay, Randy, here's your lease and sign this one and sign this one that signs it back to me. If you don't pay me again in a year. Right. Yeah. He would sign over the deed to his property. And at the same time he signed it over, he had the, the person he was doing basically a lease to uh, sign a quick claim deed back to him. So, so his so title, he, chain of title was a mess because he had quick claim deeds back and forth and back and forth. And he did that because he could, record the deed for a minimal amount at the county courthouse. And then the POA didn't charge him a fee to get it back in his name. And we remember when they did start changing a fee and it was like eight bucks. Yeah. It was either old man Felker. I'm sorry. Yeah. He lost his mind. He did. He went, he went to a board meeting and spoke. I was sitting right behind him. A lot, a lot. He spoke a lot because he had to pay $8 going. And then if they didn't renew it, he had to pay $8 getting it back. And he $8. was paying eight dollars. Well, not only that, Jeffrey, as I'm trying to remember, how much is that fee going to be in 2022? Uh, the the fee that was adopted for 2022 was 150 dollars. So we went from zero to eight. Yes. To 150. Well, not all in one step. No, but no, but 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 but, but the cost of things haven't changed. Well, labor. The, the cost of everything's gone up. But relative to that fee, no, the, the, the cost of, of that fee is is probably way less than $20, would, would be my guess. One would think, but, the, but the is that reasonable? Of, well, you know, the POA has to go into their computer system and they have to clear out any balance that the old owner has. And, and they have to establish an, a, potentially a, a new person in their system uh, and and do some other things. And they do a little mailing. Uh, we, we just actually got one, Dennis yesterday for the last piece of property that we bought. Um, so, you know, they have to mail a letter. Uh, so it's not a zero cost thing, uh, but I suspect it doesn't really take that much time um, or use of their computer system, you know? Yeah. And does reasonable mean anything unless it's been legally tested or challenged? Well, that's probably not. I mean, you know, they, they think it's reasonable because you have no other options. Maybe uh, I, I think a lot of property owners would disagree with that. Can you go to the POA down the street? No, you can't go down. To, yeah, you can't, can't go, go to, to the, can't go to the competing POA. Well, I uh, guess you I guess you could, but then you'd have to be in Bella Vista. 
Yes, you would, wouldn't you? you know, or, or, or in Holiday or Island. Head, or Diamond, or Diamond Head. Head. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, you want to be here, right? You want to be in Hot Springs Village. You don't, or, or otherwise the, you'd be there already. Exactly. You want to be with these charming people, right? Yeah, Hello, yes. right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, also, we mentioned that uh, you mentioned in the article that there was a commercial service fee lawsuit. And, and at that same time, there was also a, a $15,000 tie into the or end of the road fee. How, what Not, were those two things? Okay. Those are completely unrelated. Yeah. But those so, were in like 2007, 2008. Well, you know, I went, I, when I made my comments at the board meeting, I thought it was early 2000s because I thought that lawsuit was in place when I came on the board in 2007. And when I went back and looked at it, it was more towards the end of my term. So I think it was around 2010, 11, 12, somewhere in there the, the first time. Um, so I well, think that- and, and, and let me just interrupt just for a sec. My point here being about these two fees is that this adding a big fee thing, we've talked about this before. We've been down this road before. If you weren't and, here and 10 what, years and what ago- what was the commercial service fee? Well, the commercial service fee was a fee that the board imposed on commercial property owners within the village. Uh, and I don't think it was extremely high. Uh, it was kind of like getting an additional charge on your utility bill more than anything else. And uh, the POA tried to justify it with additional patrols with police or, you know, just additional headaches or additional traffic, whatever they used to justify it. And uh, looking back at the court documents uh, recently, it, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but it appears to me what, what the plaintiff argued and what the court agreed was that it was a fee without a service and it was a fee without an amenity. And therefore it wasn't really a fee. It was an assessment. So, so let's go back legal, here. So it was legally challenged. Cause I remember watching in that board meeting and Tucker made some comment that he, he had been involved in that. Right. Uh, Tucker, I didn't understand the context Alejandro, who's on that. the board today, uh, was a commercial property owner. And he was one of the parties evidently to that lawsuit. I did not remember that. Okay. He wasn't the lead plaintiff. Um, it, the lead plaintiff was somebody else or, or it was maybe it was his company. I didn't recognize the name, but uh, regardless, um, he said he was involved in that lawsuit and uh, the POA lost because it was a fee that the court determined was an assessment. And that assessment had not been voted on by the property owners and therefore it was not valid. Okay. I know we do a lot of talking, but I want to recap and get this down to the, to the nutshell here. Sure. It wasn't a, a, a service or a what? An amenity usage fee. Okay. So, so, so like if you go play golf, you got, you get something for your fee. You get to go play golf. Okay. And it wasn't a, what was service? Like they're picking up my trash. A, it wasn't a service fee, like picking up your trash or uh, getting a photo ID card for you made or, 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 or any other kind of thing. It, it so, so the, the judge, and this, this was a several month lawsuit, if I'm not mistaken, but the judge had to review this and he came to the decision. If you didn't get a service or an amenity, then it could, it was not, and it was not voted on by the, the POA board or by the, the, by the laity that it was illegal. Well, that's, that's my interpretation of what I read. Well, um, that's effectively what happened is what yeah, I'm getting that, at. Well, but, it was, you know, it was thrown out. It was thrown out as an assessment. I'm very sure of that as a special assessment that was not voted on by the membership. And so your other example, Dennis, that you gave was the $15,000 uh, road fee. Now, what that was is the board in 2012 for the 2013 budget. And I'm pretty sure of these dates because I got back on the board in 2013 and I was really paying attention at this point. And we had Scott Randall 
who was the general manager at the time. And I, so I was really paying attention to him. You think? Um, <laughs> you think? Yes. Um, just, and so uh, the, the POA implemented this fee in the budget. And then at some point they had second thoughts. And so at the January board meeting, the board voted to rescind that fee. And it's never been re-implemented. And what was uh, and, the fee? What was the structure of the fee? Fifteen thousand dollars to. Well, it was up. To, I think there were two different ones, and the the high one was fifteen hundred dollars. It had to do is if you built a house on an unserviced road, mm-hmm. that you they you had to pay the POA to get the road paved. But that mm-hmm. is guaranteed under the declaration that Cooper was originally responsible for that, and the POA took over that responsibility. So all the utility installation was already POA responsibility. The road was Cooper's that was assumed by the POA. And so it was guaranteed, you were guaranteed to have utilities and road by the declaration. And I think what the POA determined and along with the board and the lawyer at some point between the time the, the, um, the budget was adopted in January is that we're going to just get chewed up when there's going to be a lawsuit, we're going to get chewed up. Uh, and so we're going to rescind the fee. So what the POA was doing between January 1st and January 15th or whenever the board meeting was, is telling anybody that came in that this affected to wait, wait to file your permit. And, you know, as soon as the board rescinds this fee, then you can file your permit. And because we don't want to charge you the fee and we don't want to get sued. Why it wouldn't is- they get legal advice before they implemented the fee? As opposed to let's let's we'll implement it. Oh, oops, can't well, do it. You, this you'd is have the to part go, that really fascinates me. You you would have to go back and ask some of the individuals that were on the board. Uh, I know why Scott Randall would do it. I, I'm pretty. I have a pretty good take on why he would do it. Um, but it really was baffling to me because of some of the board members that were in place then. Uh, I really respected, and uh, you know, it wasn't like nobody complained, right? Uh, we had uh, John Malt, who was a builder here at the time. He's since deceased. And um, he went and complained at a board meeting, I'm pretty sure. And uh, I, I stood up, at, I think, at a board meeting and, and said, you can't do this. And um, why the board voted it in without discussion, I have no idea. But, you know, here we are uh, basically nine years later, and we're, exa- we're having the exact same situation. That is a fantastic tie-in, Mr. Jeff, because I was about to ask, we've danced around the whole idea, okay, we're going to have a buy-in fee, we're going to have, we may have a buy-in fee, we'll think about our buy-in fee, okay, we're going to have a buy-in fee. During your discussion, when you said, is there a buy-in fee, uh, other members of the board, if I'm not mistaken, said, you know, that's always been on the table. That's always been what we're going to discuss. And that wasn't an answer to the question, it's just, well, we've always talked about it. You know, we've always done it that way. Okay, well, <clears throat> here's the show. Is the buy-in fee legal? In my opinion? Listen. No. There's because no it, in my opinion, there's no way it's legal. It's going to be an unvoted on. It's, it's going to be, I, I suspect that at some point, a court will find that it is a special assessment and it is not legal because special assessments have to be voted on by the property owners. Just think of it this way. Could the POA charge you $1,500 for anything else? 
Well, let, let me be frank now. Okay. The POA could charge me $1,500, not, not just spontaneously for some, nothing, no service or anything else. Right. But to be very frank, these people that are buying in are not yet POA members or are they? Well, when they pay the fee, they are. What if they don't pay the fee? Well, then they might get foreclosed on or no telling what the POA would do. That would but, but you get my point. I mean, anyway, there's I mean, a million questions. It, you pretty much become a new member at the, you know, concurrently with signing your name on the deed. Actually, you don't even sign the deed, right? Because the deed's coming to you. Right. So at the, at the point that you accept the deed and you become the property owner, you're paying the fee. So you are a property owner paying the fee. It's not like they're charging. I mean, otherwise, let's just send $1,500 bills to whoever. What, what is that person that's signing and getting that $1,500 fee, that $1,500 assessment? What are they getting that nobody else is getting? Well, they're, they're, they're getting the village. Right. Um, well, I've already got I, the village. And, and right. And, and they would have gotten that on December 31st without the fee. Uh, and I've always stated, because you know this, this is not the first time a buy-in fee has come up. It was a question that was asked at the 2007 uh, board member uh, forum. And I, I was a candidate at that time, and there were five board candidates, and we were asked a yes-no question. Did we support a buy-in fee? And we all answered no. Um, so it, this is not a new idea. Mm -hmm. uh, Twigs wanted it. Uh, it was one of the first things he ever said to me is, we got to do a buy-in fee. And I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, well, I was – I was coming back on the board at that time. And I'm like, that will be bad for the village. And plus it's illegal. Um, but, but you know, there, there's two things there's, is it good for the village and is it legal because you shouldn't do something unless it's both. And to me, it's neither. Yeah. And it's gotta be in reverse order, by the way. Well, okay. Is it legal yeah, was, first, right. Yeah. If it ain't yeah. legal, it doesn't matter if it's good for the village. Yeah, well, and, and, the, and the, the problem is about that. Well, and the problem is, is do we do something that we think is illegal? Because maybe it'll just go by and nobody will complain and there won't be a lawsuit and there won't whatever. That because this goes back to that. This goes back to that legal counsel. Who did you talk to about this? Is this a good idea? I mean, really? Right. And that's what I asked the board to do is I asked them to take this back to their legal counsel uh, and show them, make sure the legal counsel was aware of the commercial fee lawsuit. Uh, because if they read through that commercial fee lawsuit, and what both parties said, and then compared it to this fee, I think they would maybe have a different opinion, even if they had said it was okay before. I think uh, maybe now, they just didn't dig deep enough. I think you're right. And I think now, Ren Randy, I want to tie this in because Jeff and I, I've told this story. I bet Jeff and I've told this story 50 times. I, when I was a little kid, <clears throat> I remember going to church and on Wednesday, Wednesday nights, we would have our, our business meeting once a quarter or something like that. And I'm just a kid. I mean, I'm like 12, 15, something like that. And I remember when somebody would say, I've got a great idea. We should buy a skid of matches for the kitchen so we can save money. And somebody would go, oh, that's the stupidest idea I've ever had in my life. We're not going to do that. And then there would be another generation of people and another generation of people and another generation of people. About five years later, somebody would go, I got a great idea. Let's buy a skid of matches. And somebody else would go, that's a genius idea. Why did we ever think of that? I, I'll tell you what, I bet nobody else has ever thought of that before. And I, I don't use the church analogy to, to not kicking churches in the teeth at all. My point is any nonprofit organization that has a rollover of people and abilities and memories, it gets limited. It gets you know cut down to the chase, as it were.
So anyway, I say all that to say that we're going to have to stay tuned to see if this is going to be a, a lawsuit. Well, one of the, the first things that I did, Jeff, is I, I it, it, I'm on record. I've got high interest in being inside the village one day right now. I just do that five or six times a year through short-term rental. But as a, as a perspective owner someday, I mean, I'm looking with great interest and I'm very curious. Okay. Well, so what are the, what are the rules and regulations? What are the details of this $1,500? How does this, how does this work? And I haven't found any details anywhere. So how does that work? I haven't seen any either. Um, I heard one or one board member at some point, uh, probably as part of the Fred F committee presentation, uh, say that the rules would have to be developed, but I have not seen any and I've looked, but again, that's cart it's cart before the horse. This is the whole cart before the horse mindset that I I'm struggling to understand. We implement a fee. Oh, Hey, we better check and make sure that we can legally do that. I, I don't understand that thought process. I would, I would happily listen to anybody that's on the board of the, the entire board. I just don't get that any more than I get this. So a 1500, okay. Why is it $1,500? Why isn't it $1,200? Why isn't it $2,000? Why isn't it $3,000? How did you get to that number? What's magical about that number? What does that, what does that do? And what are the rules and regulations for it? If I come in and I buy a lot, my understanding is I'm going to pay 250. But then if I later build a house, I'm going to pay the balance, the 1250 to get to the 1500. Who knows? But I don't, well, that, I've that, only that, heard him talk about that. I've heard that's him verbalize you, that, but I haven't seen anything in writing about that. Yeah. yeah, Brandy, but that's, that's, if you do it in 22 and 23, it's going to be even higher. Well, that depends, on the, that depends on the fee that is adopted by the board next year, because you know, what was in the front of proposal doesn't, you know, obviously that didn't hold any water. You know, that's that's not why the fee is there. The fee is there because the board had it in the fee schedule. My they, my confusion was I was thinking these fees, which forgive me if I'm wrong, and as we hit the record button, it's November the fourth or whatever. But these fees have been have been voted on by the POA. Is that oh correct? Yeah. Oh, this absolutely. is approved for 2022. Yeah, I believe it was October 20th board man, uh, meeting that. And as we stand here and speak, we do not know what the vote is because the vote has not transpired. Well, you're talking so about a vote for the for the assessment increase. increase. Right. So even without knowing the results of the assessment increase vote, we've already implemented a $1,500 buy-in fee. Right. And, and, and let me be frank, Randy, I, I, I think and uh, this is... This is not unique to the POA, and it's certainly not unique to us. We're choosing to tax people we don't know yet. And because I don't know here. who's... We need them here because the people that are here will not be here forever. Right. We're elderly. You know, we've got to have new people coming in all the time. We've had quite a number coming in the last year and a half. Uh, but I really want to get back to a point that Randy made is, is that why is the fee what it was suggested? You know, why is it different for a lot versus a house just philosophically because if you're buying into the village you're buying into the village and why does it matter if it's a lot or a house and then if it does matter does it matter if it's a hundred dollar lot or a ten thousand dollar lot or a hundred thousand dollar lot because i can spend more on a lot than i do on a house 
but but the right. lot the yeah. lot will not sustain the fee if if the if the fifteen hundred dollars was on lots where people are trying to sell them for five hundred bucks and then there's a fifteen hundred dollar commission and there's a fifteen hundred dollar buy in no but there's some there's some lots in there that are north of six figures right? oh, yeah. So, yeah. so I come in there and I pay two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a lot and pay two fifty for the buy in fee right. And, I, and I'm in the process of buying a townhouse for $120,000. Uh, and if I was a new person and I closed after January 1st, I'd have to pay $1,500. Whereas that lot sold for more. It, it doesn't make any sense. If you try to put logic on it, it's not going to make any sense. And it's, it's very revealing to me that it was in all three options presented by Fred F. Really? And that it, and then it has had basically zero discussion by the board before it being adopted. And, you know, even if you go back and look at the work session and, and you look at the fee schedule that was presented, it's not even on there. And I know we got to wind up because I know you got to run Jeff and thanks for doing this, but I, let me, I got to get in at least this because <laughs> I was watching it live yeah. and a, a comment was made that we've been discussing this for six or seven months at, at the frat F. So yeah. those forums, those forums, and I watched those too. They were done at the frat F versus it being in a board meeting. Huge what are the distance and those huge, differences? Huge difference. Because you're not going to sit there and argue against every idea that comes before Fred F because they're going to weed out a lot of those ideas themselves, right? That was the whole point of, of going through all the options and then presenting one recommendation to the board or three options to the board. Um, but as a property owner, you can't attend necessarily all those meetings. Um, you know, it was discussed, I'm sure, at some point by the finance committee, but they met seven times last month for almost 20 hours. And not everybody has that kind of time commitment. It's not important to the owners until it's before the board, because in, until it's before the board, you know, are you, are you going to just complain about everything that comes up before every committee at any time? And do you have to attend every committee meeting everywhere every month to make sure that nothing probably, bad happens? There's probably somebody doing that. There's but. probably somebody doing that, but it's not, it's not my job as a property owner to do that. When right. something comes before the board that I see as an issue, then it becomes the responsibility of a property owner to say to their board, Hey, this does not represent me. Well, again, I was, I, the village. I was just puzzled by that comment that we've been talking about this for six oh. or seven months, but oh. it hadn't been before the board. So I'm just wondering as an outsider. Okay. So those frat F conversations, those are as valid as conversations that happen with a board. I didn't no. think so, but I was puzzled by it. Okay. No, you, you no. cannot have every property <clears throat> owner responding to every idea at every committee meeting. It, you just would get so bogged down. Yeah. Uh, until it Makes actually sense. comes before the board, it, I, I mean, it's, it's one thing to be involved with the committee that, that you care about. Like, sure. You know, if you want to attend the trails committee meetings or, or something like that, that's great. But, you know, you can't go there as a property owner to make sure that they don't do something detrimental to the village. You, you can't. First of all, they, they meet in a small room. You know, it's just it's unwieldy. You, you just can't do that. It comes before the board. The other thing is, well, those committees aren't making decisions either. They're making recommendations. They, absolutely. Correct? They're making okay. recommendations and those committees don't report to the property owners. They report to either the board or management. And in the case of the Fred F it reported to the board in the case of the finance and planning 
or the finance committee, it reports to the board. They don't report to, to me and Dennis or any other property owner. The board does respond to me or report to me. They are responsible to me to represent me and all other property owners. Those committees are not. Yeah, got it. Yeah, well, and, and to be very clear, the, the board has all the power and the FRAF just can say, hey, we think this, this is a good idea, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I want to say to our listeners, to our viewers, I cannot thank you enough. We have had wonderful response. Uh, we're, we're, we're back in the saddle. I've been out of town for a couple of weeks and, and we're back to live shows again or starting live shows again or very concurrent shows, very recent shows. And if you've listened through this, and I know there's a lot of minutia here, then you obviously love the village. You want to know more about the village and you want to promote the, the beauty and the growth of the village. Because th- the, once again, this is not drive-by material. You don't go, oh, I think I'll just sit and listen for an hour to these guys talk about the declarations and the rules of a very unique place and a very unique time. And one unique in particular instance that they're talking about it. it no, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Randy, final Say comments? Good night, Dennis. Good night, Dennis. And thank you, Jeff. We appreciate your help. Been a pleasure. For Hot Springs Village Inside Out, I'm Dennis Simpson. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com, and tell a friend.